behind the veil. Life behind the veil with Jesus in the fullness of our Lord, in the fullness of Christ, the anointed one in his anointing. So today we're going to go to Hebrews 5, starting in verse 1. Every high priest is selected from among men. Glenn, Glenn, I left my Bible in my chair. Would you bring it? Do you mind bringing it to me? Every high priest is selected from among men. That's right. I know. That's why I was reading it before and I just left it sitting there. from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sin as well as for the sins of the people. So Jesus, we've been studying this, is our high priest, correct? And he is so very kind. He is so very kind. A priest is God's representative with man, but he can only be this, he can only be this when he has been encompassed about by the very weaknesses of human beings, correct? Of, the, of human frailty. Jesus has actually been, we've been studying this and we're going to go into it a little bit more today. Jesus has actually been prepared and appointed by God for the purpose of representing you. Representing you. That should, that should get a shout, guys. He has been prepared and appointed to represent you before our Father. Hallelujah. What better representative could you have? God orchestrated this beautiful plan and fully equipped Jesus, fully equipped Jesus to be your representative in all matters pertaining to God, life and godliness. And as we've studied, okay, I'm not going to go into this as much today, but he took on our flesh, he took on our nature, he took on our humanity. He felt what we feel. He experienced what we experience. He knows us, and he understands us. Okay? And this scripture tells us that he deals gently with us. Did you see that? Able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray. Now that doesn't mean, that's not IQ. That means, you know, without knowledge, lack of knowledge. So in, in our ignorance, in our lack of knowledge, our error, our mistakes, in our going astray, he represents us because Jesus was himself subject to our weaknesses when he was made a little lower than the angels. Remember studying that? when he was made a little lower, and he came to earth on our behalf, okay? He can and does have compassion for you. He can and does have compassion for me. So through his son Jesus, through his son Jesus, God is assuring us that no ignorance or mistake that we make, no error will make him unavailable to us. No matter what you do or don't do, God is still loving you, right? So we never need to fear. 
him taking his love away from us. He cares for us, and he deals gently with us when we go astray. He's a merciful and a long-suffering high priest for each and every one of us. His mercies are new every morning. You can go to Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 and read about it. He learned, he learned, Jesus learned to bear gently with us in his suffering, in the suffering that he endured. Okay, so have you ever suffered in a situation and Jesus brought you through that situation triumphantly, but you, you went through suffering and then you look around and you see other people suffering in like condition and what do you feel for them? You feel compassion, not judgment. You feel compassion. You understand. You know what they're going through. Your heart breaks for them. But you know you have the truth. So you have the joy of being able to share the truth and to, and to see them to victory. Okay? Well, Jesus' compassion is like a billion times greater than that. A, a, a billion, trillion, gazillion times greater than what we feel when we see someone like that suffering. Okay, well, that's his heart for you. That's his heart for you, okay? So he entered into our experience here, and he learned to sympathize with us. So in our weakness or our ignorance, that should not be a barrier between us and the Lord. That is not a barrier. We should see that as an invitation to run, not meekly, not ashamedly, but how? Boldly into his loving arms. To run boldly into the throne room of Jesus. To run boldly into his arms. We must be so convinced of Jesus' compassionate heart toward us, his compassionate heart toward us, that he secured, he secured, he suffered not only to save us from death, right? We have to be so convinced. He did not suffer just to save you from death and give you eternal life. Yes, that's very true. But what? He suffered to do a finished work, to lift you into the finished work of Christ. The finished work of Christ. The finished work of Christ. The allness of God. The allness of Christ. The completeness of Christ. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That is what you have been given as you choose to possess it and to believe it as you walk this earth. That is what you have set before you for you. Hallelujah. He came to lift you into his finished work. And our first response, our first response is to run to him and not away from him. No matter what. No matter what you feel like. It is to run to him and not away from him. So we have to be so compassionate. Likewise, we have to be so compassionate. We take that example. We take the example of Jesus. And we are so compassionate toward others that when they err or when they go astray, we have that very same heart. We have that heart. Our first response, our first response is the love and kindness the gentleness, the meekness of the Lord for people. His mercy to lift them out of any type of darkness, to lift them as he has lifted you, if you're a believer, if you're a believer in Christ, as he has lifted you out of darkness, out of the mire, into the light and the love and the healing of Jesus. How do we do that? Speaking the truth of the gospel, not compromising, 
speaking the truth of the gospel in love. Okay? So think about this. We should be, we are, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, we are the first responders of God's love and liberty and freedom for those in need. You, you get that? Do you understand that? What does a first responder do? Think about that. What does a, a first responder do? And they, they don't sit there and they, go, they don't sit there, they don't walk up to that person and say, are you worthy of me giving you my attention at this moment? A first responder arrives and a first responder, the whole goal is to bring life. The whole goal is to restore health. The whole goal is to, is to bring life and health and wholeness. And we are to be the first responders of God's love and mercy and goodness. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit in us, the balm of Gilead, the healing anointing for every situation. You carry that in you because Christ in you, the hope of glory, is what people are going to receive when you're on the scene. Hallelujah. Hebrew 5, 4 through 6. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. You know, he considers it his glory to be your high priest. It is his glory to be your high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Hallelujah. You have a father. Hallelujah. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So, Jesus was appointed by God as our high priest forever, for all of eternity. And he counts it, he counts it his greatest glory. Think about what that means. He counts it his greatest glory to impart the blessing of his finished work to anyone who calls on him. Anyone who calls on him. It is his highest honor to ensure, to ensure that we, you, me, that we walk in all the blessings of sonship and daughtership of God. It is glory, it is glory unto him, his heart's cry, to make us what? to make us partakers. Remember we studied that word, partakers? To make us partakers as his brothers and sisters with him in the life and the love of the Father. Partakers in all the fullness of God. He intercedes daily, hourly, moment by moment. He intercedes daily for you. He, Jesus, the infallible, the incorruptible, the one who never sinned, the one perfected of God, Jesus, intercedes for you all the time. All the time. That's who you have. Speaking, representing you. Hebrews 7.25 says he always lives to intercede for us. He always lives to intercede for us. So we must, we have a part to play, we must allow him, we must allow him to be the loving priest of our lives that he desires to be. Hebrews 5, 7 through 10. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears 
to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard. Listen, listen. He was heard because of his reverent submission. We submit to your loving will, O Lord. I submit to your loving will, O Lord. In all things, you tell me, you show me, I'll do just that. That's our heart's cry, beloved. That's our heart's cry. Jesus, because of his reverent submission, although he was a son, listen, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, I'm not going to go restudy all that. You can get the old CDs or go to the podcast or wherever you want to go to the website. Once made perfect, he became the source your source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest that's in your life in the order of Melchizedek. So we will, will you, will I, as Jesus, remain obedient in the suffering. Will you? Will you? I'm asking a question. I say yes. I say yes. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. God's will alone, God's will alone was his ultimate goal, his ultimate desire, the passion of his heart. The passion of his life displayed unto us. His heart's passion. And it should be the total passion of our hearts. The total passion of our hearts. No suffering on our behalf deterred Christ. No suffering on our behalf deterred him from paying the price for our freedom. From every darkness. Jesus so emptied himself. Think about, you just, just, just stop and think about what happened when he tore himself out of heaven to come here agreeing with his father to do this, okay? When he chose, he willingly chose to follow the will of his father, he so emptied himself of his glory in heaven to come here, to be with you, to be with me for those who would receive him, to live in us the hope of glory. Jesus, in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The hope of glory. He became so like us, so completely in like nature, so completely in like condition, except he never sinned, okay, we know that. And he had to learn obedience, and so do we. Submission, yieldedness. Luke 2.40 says, The child grew and waxed strong in spirit, becoming full of wisdom. And that's what you do. That's what you do. Bless you, baby. So he had to grow. He had to develop. He had to face trial. He had to face temptation. He had to overcome all that was contrary to the will of God and God's loving plan. His obedience, his obedience, 
in every single situation strengthened him. Your obedience in every situation to what God is showing you to do, to the word of God, to the Holy Spirit instruction. Holy Spirit is the testimony of Jesus, right? He testifies with Jesus, the same, the same, the same. So your obedience in every situation will strengthen you for the next trial or the next temptation because you will see when you follow him, when you are yielded to him, when you submit to him as your Lord of lords, your King of kings, the Savior of your soul, when you submit to him, you will see the fullness and the goodness of God poured out in your life, and you will not be able to resist that. And when you go through those situations and you see his love and you see his goodness, even though sometimes it's through discipline, when you see that, you cannot resist the love of God. You cannot. And you will take that into the next situation, and you will say, yes, God. You met me then, and you're going to meet me now. You never leave me. You never forsake me. And you will grow in wisdom. And you will be strengthened because you chose to yield to Jesus. So when anger comes to tempt, or compulsion, or depression, or lying, or jealousy, or gossip, or adultery, or any of those things. I'm not calling out anything. I'm, you understand what I'm saying? When anything comes to tempt you, the very spirit of Jesus, because, you are lear- because your spirit is becoming more and more sensitive by yielding, by obeying him, And so when those things come to tempt you, what does it say? That in our weakness, his strength comes. And then we walk in that strength and we go, no. Supernaturally, we can say no to the darkness or the pain or whatever. Right? The doubt, the fear. Hallelujah. It says, Jesus waxed strong, so he faced every evil that you could ever face. (laughs) There's nothing that that you are ever going to face that he has not been touched by, okay, that he has not faced yet without sin. So he faced every single evil, and he forsook the promise of worldly gain, forsaking the promise of worldly gain, and he grew in wisdom. How many times did the devil come to Jesus in the desert and say, if you do this, I'll give you this? He never took that bait. You see that? The devil will do that to you. This is good. This is wonderful. He'll offer you some temporal transient pleasure. Don't take the bait. Stop. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Not you, devil. Not you, temptation. Not your lies. Jesus is my Lord. Hallelujah. Think about Gethsemane. Think about that. He knew what he was facing. It was his ultimate challenge. It was his ultimate challenge. Resurrection Sunday is coming up, beloveds. It's a good time to think about all this. Do you realize, like I didn't even plan it because you know the Lord just says, okay, preach about this. But do you realize how this study so intimately is preparing us for Resurrection Sunday in our hearts? Do you realize what a new work it's doing in our hearts, preparing us 
for what Jesus has done and continues to do in our lives. Certainly, Jesus desired another way out, didn't he? Yes, he said, if possible, take this cup from me, but not my will. You can have your way, right? And that's what we're to do. That's what we're to do. His obedience triumphed. It trumped the deepest suffering, the deepest pain. Think about what he went through. The, no, you could never imagine any pain like that. You could never imagine any conflict in your soul like that. And his love and obedience triumphed over all of it because he loves you so much. Hallelujah. He yielded his will, his life. He was perfected forevermore so that you could be perfected with him, so that I could be perfected with him. See that? All right. So what the law could not perfect, Jesus perfected through what he suffered forevermore, perfected for you, for you because of his obedience to the precious heart of God. He knows your weaknesses, beloved, dear friend, beloved of his heart. He understands you. So we, we must not take the route of the fair weather friend. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, that's enough. Because he's given you a purpose. When you're saved, Well, he has a purpose for everyone, right? Okay? And when you are saved, he has a lot for you to do. A whole lot for you to do unto his glory. Hallelujah. And we want to be yielded to his heart for his glory. So are we going, are we going to count the cost of Jesus to be worth whatever it takes because of all that he has done for us. Are you going to count the cost? Not too great. Nothing too great for your Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? So when temptation comes, or when a trial comes, we're going to choose. I'm declaring this over you. You are going to choose to walk as he walked. Here. You are going to choose to be what? A witness. What is a witness? It is someone who brings evidence of the fact. That's you. That's you. Evidence of the fact of Jesus' finished work. That's you. Hallelujah. Obedience. His way, only his way, is the way to victory. It's the way to breakthrough. It's the way to overthrow. And our obedience, you know, really, honestly... If you really want to think about it, because some people don't like the word obedience, well, so, sort of sorry about that, okay? <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> but if you want to think of it in nice terms, what is obedience? Yeah, it's submission, and what is it? It's union. Obedience is union with your Lord. It's union. Obedience is just union. Hallelujah. It's union. Who better to be united with? It's the road to glory in your life. He redeemed us by his sacrifice, by his own life, into perfect possession of himself. Union of himself. Jesus in you, you in him, one with the Father. So, He has gifted to us his glory. He tells us that. I have given them the glory that you have given me. You can look it up, John 17, 22. I have given it. He's given it. He's given it. Are you going to walk in it? So we must not take lightly his sacrifice unto glory in us. His suffering has given you an open gate. It has open the very portals of heaven for you 
You do not walk under a brass heaven. Don't let anybody tell you that. If you are in Christ, he has opened by his finished work, by the blood sacrifice, by his love poured out, he has opened unto you the very portals of heaven. I expect no less than his will on earth here. I am not going to waste my time waiting around to see the the culmination of it in heaven. I'm going to see it here. The allness, the fullness, the completeness of Christ in me, in you. I tarry for that for you all the time. I am believing that when we walk, it will be like shadows falling upon people and they will be healed. I'm expecting that. You aren't going to need a handkerchief or an apron, albeit that's okay. But we are meant to do greater works. And that is not blasphemy. Jesus said it himself. We are meant to do greater works. And that is not just numbers. That when you walk in the crowd by the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of Christ, Christ and the anointed one living and breathing and moving through you. You walk by and they're going to be healed. You walk by and they're going to cry out in repentance. You walk by and they're going to call on the name of Jesus. I believe it. Do we believe that this is the type of people that we are? I am not satisfied with the beginnings of Christian life. Although that's necessary, although that's great, that's good. You have to you have to get saved. I have no idea where I was. Anyway, (laughs) we live under an open heaven. We live under an open heaven. The portals of heaven are open to you, beloved. We will not be caught. I will not. I will not. I will not. You will not be caught like Jacob. When the angels were descending and ascending, bringing the blessings of God, and he said, I did not realize that God is in this place. Wakey, 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 wakey. Walk in the power. Take the anointing. I will not be caught saying, I did not realize that God was in this place. God is in this place because Jesus lives in you, the believer. And he has meant for you to do all that he has done and more. Surely God is in this place. And we must, we must go on to the meat of the finished work. The meat of the ascended life that he paid the price to give us. He paid a price and he just gifted it all to you. Our perfection in Christ is demonstrated in our becoming his will here on the earth, his true witnesses, regardless of the sacrifice it may take. Because believe me, brothers and sisters, beloved of the Lord, apple of his eye, love of his soul, believe me, you may think the immediate to be a sacrifice, 
It is not. Anything that you do that is unto his glory is never a sacrifice anyway. That's just what, like, the world calls it. You know, that's just so we can have a, a tag, <laughs> an identity, something to call it. But it's not a sacrifice. It's a glory. It's a glory. It's the glory of heaven unto you. He was perfected in his suffering, and we must have the very same heart and mission. We must step beyond contentment, like I was saying, with the beginnings of the Christian life. Salvation, right? Salvation unto eternal life, redemption from sin. Of course, we have to have all that. But we must remain hungry and press on to the perfection that he has purchased for us. Remaining fully humble and submitted to his heart for us with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. You know, thanksgiving will open so many portals, the, the, the blessing of God in your life. Thanksgiving. Thanks be unto you, Lord Jesus. Thanks be unto the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the lover of our souls, the Lion of Judah, our El Shaddai. Thank you for El, Jehovah Nisi. Thank you, thank you, thank you for our good shepherd. Thank you, high priest. Hallelujah. This is the way unto fullness in Christ. Fullness into the living Jesus. Fullness. Christ, the anointed, and his anointing ushering forth from us in rivers of living water. So when this is our posture, right? So this is our posture. Say, this is my posture. This is my posture. Yes. Nothing can keep us from the love of Christ. Nothing can keep us from joy unspeakable in Jesus. No matter if you're going through the biggest temptation and trial of your whole life, nothing can steal your joy. Nothing can steal your joy. Nothing can keep it from overwhelming your soul. You know what the Lord just said to me? He said, if you're lacking joy, ask the Lord where you haven't suffered. He just told me that. He just told me that. I never thought of that in my whole life. Not suffering by the devil, you know that. But suffering for him. Do you understand? Another sacrifice. In other words, being yielded. In other words, being submitted to him. We're not talking about, you know, the devil, the badness. <laughs> Nothing will keep us from, from walking in that unspeakable joy. Nothing will keep us from operating in signs, miracles, and wonders. Nothing. Not that that's what we seek. What do we seek? We seek the heart of God. And he's faithful and true. And he brings all the rest of it to pass because his word is true. It's infallible. So when we give Christ free reign, free reign, nothing Nothing can keep his glory from reigning supreme in our souls. Union with the will of God is union with God himself. And no other place, beloved, no other place will ever satisfy your soul. Jesus carries us with him unto perfection, unto the fullness of the glory of God. And we become his witnesses, those who truly give evidence of the fact. His demonstration of the love of God 
poured out, Jesus' demonstration of the love of God poured out through us, his mercy, his compassion, his long-suffering, his healing, his redemption, his signs, his miracles, his wonders, the whole package. Well, you know, we shouldn't even use that word when we refer to the Lord because it's not like a package. You can't even close it up. You can't bind it up. You can't tie it up. <laughs> it's just so, like way too big. Right? <laughs> it's not like, it's like, oh. <laughs> it is overflowing unto abundance. Rivers that quench every, every heart's desire. That heal every pain, sickness, lameness, whatever it is. I don't want to be ankle deep. I don't want to be knee deep. I want to be over my head swimming in the glory of God. Swimming in rivers of life. That's you. Just jump in, beloved. Just jump in. Verse 11. We have so, we have much to say about this. (laughs) But it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. Okay, I'm confessing to, over you all that you are quick to learn and quick to do the will of God. In fact, verse 12, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Well, you all are acquainted. You all are definitely acquainted. But solid food is for the mature. Who by, listen, listen, who by constant use, constant use, have trained themselves. We must train ourselves to distinguish good from evil. Constant use trains you. Constant use trains you. Okay, this is the third warning that we receive in Hebrews. So we have to grow beyond the elemental beginnings of the gospel, salvation, and grow into mature disciples, mature witnesses of Christ. We must not be content alone with pardon and the hope of heaven. You see that? You get that? We must hunger and thirst not only to know the crucified Christ, but to know the ascended King. Who lifts you, who lifts me up out of earthly realm into the throne room of heaven. Into the throne room of heaven into the throne room of heaven and the revelation of all the mysteries of God. That's what you have access to. Into the anointing of glory. We must strongly desire the deeper truths, the rivers of life in Christ. We must stir the deep, deep wells, stir by the Holy Spirit, by the breath of God, listening, being yielded. He will stir deep, deep wells, and they will usher forth unto his glory, unto his perfected will on this earth. Open heaven living. Angels ascending and descending on your behalf, bringing the blessings of heaven to you and those around you. God's will on earth as it is in heaven. No different. 
We must welcome Holy Spirit in his fullness. Allowing him, allowing him to be the way we move, the way we breathe, and the way we have his being. Spirit to spirit. His spirit testifying with our spirit. Say that, his spirit testifying with my spirit. His spirit testifies with my spirit. His spirit rising up in me. His spirit, the spirit of the Lord. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Him who the Lord sets free is free indeed. Spirit to spirit, that we are his children. Beloved of the Lord. We must remain hungry. We must feed ourselves. You can listen to all the preaching you want, and that's good. There's a purpose. You need to be in a church, a spirit-filled church, (laughs) that believes in allowing Holy Spirit to move. Okay? But you have to do your own study, your own work. You know, feed yourselves on solid food and let that be the source of sustenance for others. Putting aside all the structures all the structures of religion. There are so many structures. And Jesus just, I'm sorry, wasn't like that. We move and live and breathe with the Holy Spirit. Embracing the freedom that the gospel of the life of Christ has given us. We do this how it says in this scripture, it tells us we do this by reason of use. See that? We do this by reason of use. So this is not a matter of age. There's some of old people that just sit there and they never grew up and they're just still being saved and going to heaven and they couldn't be happier about it. And I'm glad for them. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad they're going to heaven, of course. And there are some young people who are so full of the fire and spirit. And there are some old people that are so full of the fire of God. You see, but that's what it is. It's not age. No. We do this by reason of use, a matter of yielding to the wholeheartedness of God, our submission to all things Jesus, our submission to all things Jesus, our submission to all things Jesus, a surrendered lifestyle. What does it do? It develops a tenderness in us. It develops a tenderness of mind, a tender conscience, a tender heart, a tender spirit that hears so much more easily the voice of, the God, of God calling speaking. He's ever speaking to us. He is a voice behind you. Whether you turn to the left or to the right, he is a voice behind you speaking to you, saying, this is the way. Walk in it. For every one of you, there is no one who is saved that cannot hear from the Lord. There is no one that cannot hear the voice of God. And the more we yield the easier we hear. So, okay, so, When we yield, it allows us to discern between good and evil, right? And you know, the Lord spoke this to me, and I've never just thought about this in this way. Never, never, never. Okay, you know how we all quote that scripture? The word of God is a double-edged sword. It's a double-edged sword, right? And it discerns, divides between the flesh and the spirit, it judges the thoughts and the intents. You understand that? Okay, but guess what? That's you. You. That is you. 
That is you in the hand of God. You are the double-edged sword. You are the sword that can divide by God, by the Holy Spirit. But do you understand what I'm saying? Because what do you become? Oh, we're going out on a limb. What do you become when you become so saturated with the word? You become the word of God. Just like he came in flesh, the word became flesh. What about you? What about you? What about you? You become, you saturate yourself in the word. Okay, everyone talks about that scripture. Um, Hearing and hearing by the word. And they always think, oh, that means just keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing, keep hearing, okay? Uh, There's a comma in there. Hearing and hearing by the word. What does that mean? What does that really mean? That really means that the word of God is what gives you the knowledge to learn and grow and become wise. It's not just hearing and hearing and hearing. We can all hear things all the time. It's hearing and only hearing by the word of God because that's what brings the wisdom. That's what changes us. That's what renews our mind. That's what strengthens our spirits. And then you become the word, the walking word of God. And the word is a double-edged sword. But then what are you? You are that double-edged sword that can discern between the carnal and the spirit, that can judge the intents of the heart, that can see the difference between dark and light, even down to between joints and marrow. The, the very intricacies, the very intimacies of God. You get to discern the ways of the world versus the strategies of God. You get to discern the deceit of the world and the truth of the gospel, not to be confused, not to be conflicted, not to be overtaken, not to be deceived. The carnal versus the divine or the supernatural. Union in the glory of Christ versus shackled in the chains of worldly bondage. So as we submit, as we obey, our spirits, our being becomes more and more sensitive and we wax strong and grow in spirit and become wise in the Lord. Hallelujah. Our our yieldedness is to know Jesus as, as, truly as, our minister of the heavenly calling, our minister of the open gates of heaven, our minister of the throne room of God. Our minister of all heavenly goodness. He has opened the holiest of all unto you. He has welcomed you. He welcomes me to dwell in him, in him, in this life, in all his glory, until what? The scripture tells us until we attain unto the full measure of the stature of all the fullness, the stature of the fullness of Christ in us. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to read this whole passage to you. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 13. This is what you, this is how you are intended to be. This is your recreation in Christ. Until we all reach, for uh, Ephesians 4.13, <coughs> until we all reach unity, okay? Okay, I'm going to try not to stop while I'm reading this passage, but I hear people all the time say we can't be in unity. Well, you're listening to the impossibility of man. God tells us. And he says they will know you by your love for one another. And if we love one another as Jesus loved us, we can't help but being in unity. If there's not unity, there's a devil operating somewhere. That's all I have to say about that. But anyway, until we all reach unity in the faith. That's why you've got to reach people. That's why you've got to bring people to a church where the truth of God is spoken. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, the whole measure, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, instead, this is you, instead, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, jointly joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself, builds itself, up in love as each part does its work. You have a role to play. Each of you has a part to play. Each of you has something to do. And when someone is slothful or someone is lazy, it hurts the whole body because you are important to the Lord. He has designed you with a special purpose. He has made you an intimate part of his plan. And when someone is slothful or ignorant, I don't mean that like ignorant, like IQ, I'm saying just not desirous of the knowledge of God. Or or when we think we can just do it our own way, it hurts your brothers and sisters. It brings harm to the body. Likewise, or contrary, on the other side, when you walk in diligence before your Father who is loving and will always bring you blessing when you do so, You always bless the body. You build it up. You keep it from harm. You strengthen it. We must do this. It is not about us. You know what? I can't say that any more emphatically. Yes, the Lord will bless you, but it is not about you. It is about him, it is about Jesus, it is about his glory being poured out on this earth for him, the way he wants it, for his good pleasure, according to his plan. And when we submit to that, we can't help but be blessed. Because my God is faithful and true. as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and insist on it, insist on it, in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Well, what are you going to be? 
You're going to be the heart softener. You're going to be the first responder. You're going to be that first responder that brings life so that they can understand, so their hearts won't be darkened. Their souls depend on you. He's agreeing with me. Smart boy. (laughs) Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and a continual lust for more. You, however, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way by following the flesh, right? Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your formal, former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God. In true righteousness and holiness. When you become born again, your spirit was recreated in God like him. And it says, we put on that new self. Hallelujah. Renewing and growing in wisdom. All right, so that's what the Lord told me to talk to y'all about today.